I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with cybersecurity attorney Jason G. Weiss, counsel of the law firm Drinker, Biddle, and Reef, LLP. Jason, who is a former supervisory special agent in the FBI's Los Angeles Cyber and Forensic Branch, will be speaking to us about cybercrime trends in the healthcare sector. So, Jason, in terms of the cyber attack and cybercrime trends we've been seeing in the healthcare sector, what stands out to you? What's new? What's most worrisome? Healthcare is probably one of the most difficult industries under distress from cybersecurity attacks. They have to deal with problems with not only like cloud security, unsecured mobile devices, but healthcare and hospitals in particular are extremely vulnerable to attacks like ransomware, where people are able to encrypt the hospital's data which creates huge problems in the medical industry because if the hospital doesn't have access to its data and to its equipment, it may not be able to perform its functions as a hospital, which could actually lead to harm to actual people relying on that hospital to perform surgeries and stuff like that. There's another growing problem in the healthcare industry besides ransomware, which I would say is probably the biggest problem. And one of the other big industry problems is something called medjacking, it's kind of similar to like the Internet of Things where people are now hacking into prosthetic devices and other types of devices provided by the healthcare industry to people who need them. And the security on those devices are so poor, people are able to actually hack into them and, and literally take control of the devices, leading the victims to either have to pay some kind of ransom to get their device back or to have to get new devices altogether. And I think that's something that, that's kind of scary if you're relying on prosthetic devices or internal devices to kind of help you stay healthy and happy after you've had a medical issue. Obviously, hacking is another major problem in the healthcare industry. I just looked up some statistics in 2016. There were over 11 million healthcare records stolen by various hacks. And of all the breaches that took place in 2016, three of the top breaches that affected our country were in the healthcare industry. So the healthcare industry is basically under attack in the cybersecurity warfare realm. You know, they have a lot to think about and a lot to do to stay safe. So Jason, when it comes to the attacks that you were just talking about, the hacking of prosthetic devices, for instance, is that something that's more of a threat or is it something we're actually seeing? And when it comes to ransomware attacks, we are also seeing more healthcare entities and other organizations in other sectors as well, admitting that they're paying hackers to unlock their data and their systems. Is this a bad idea to pay? And under what circumstances, if any, is paying a good idea? Well, I spent 22 years in the FBI, and, and our official position is we never encourage victims to pay ransomware attacks because it encourages more ransomware attacks. It sets a terrible precedent, and it also leads to the problem of payment being made through cyber currencies and, and trying to track that. And from a law enforcement perspective, we always try and dissuade customers where we can not to pay a tax, but ultimately the, the victim has to make that decision for themselves because in the healthcare industry, if they can't get access to their equipment, if they can't get access to their data, they literally can't perform life-saving type of procedures. And that's obviously incredibly scary to folks. I mean, we go back to the medjacking, which is a fairly unknown type of attack, but it's growing now because more and more hackers have learned and have been able to hack into 
healthcare-oriented devices provided to people, things from pacemakers to prosthetic devices. I mean, you can see what could happen if somebody can get access to a pacemaker and be able to control that device. You can see the position it would put the potential victim in. So obviously, the Bureau, when I was with the Bureau for 22 years, we were very concerned about ransomware, hacking, med jacking. It's like somebody taking control of the thermostat in your house or your refrigerator. It all, it's all based on what's called the Internet of Things, but med jacking is certainly a, a growing concern you know, in the medical healthcare industry. Whether to pay ransomware, I mean, that is, is probably one of the most, most difficult questions I think the healthcare industry has to deal with because ultimately the healthcare industry is much more time compliant and much more time sensitive than other industries and may not have the time to restore backups and patch holes because there's no guarantee if you pay ransomware that they'll actually release your data. You have to have some leap of faith that if you pay that cryptocurrency that they're going to provide you the decryption key. And that's not always the case. So I wish there was a great or a clear answer on whether you should pay or not pay ransomware. Like I said, as a general rule, the FBI is opposed to it, but a lot of companies have to make their own decisions on whether they want to do that. So now, Jason, what about cyber attacks aimed at stealing intellectual property? Is that a growing worry for the healthcare sector? And if so, why? One of the big problems we have when you talk about the theft of intellectual property, are you talking about individualized theft of intellectual property, like somebody hacking in and stealing something, or are you dealing with nation states trying to steal intellectual property in the healthcare industry? The American healthcare industry is, is about as innovative and progressive in terms of new ideas as any healthcare industry in the world. So many, many of the attacks against the healthcare industries could come from nation states, which creates a whole other national security type of threat because people want to steal that information without having to pay to develop it. And obviously that's a huge problem for the folks that do pay to develop it. And then one of the biggest problems we always had in the FBI is trying to determine, are we dealing with a lone hacker? Are we dealing with, a, you know, with what we call a script kitty? somebody who just happened to get lucky and break in and, and really doesn't even know what they're doing with this information, or are we dealing with foreign or hostile nation states? And that is a great question that I think cybersecurity experts, both from the consulting side and the legal side, are going to have to work hand-in-hand hand with their healthcare partners to make determinations of what type of attack took place, who was behind the attack, and whether law enforcement needs to be brought in and more importantly, can we protect intellectual property from being stolen? Because what we don't want to do is minimize or weaken the innovation in the healthcare industry, which in, in the United States is probably unparalleled throughout the world in terms of our innovation, in terms of creating new healthcare technology and healthcare life-saving devices. So Jason, what about forensics investigations after these attacks? Are we learning anything new from these investigations that could help entities be better prepared so that they don't fall victim? When I was in the FBI, I did a lot of forensic work and I did a lot of healthcare forensic work. And I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that forensics in these kind of cases tells us the depth and sophistication of the attacker. And that allows us to help work with the victim in terms of trying to figure out what kind of defenses they may want to put in place in the future to prevent these types of attacks from happening again, and more importantly, how to keep their network safe. I mean, once again, are you, are you dealing with a Kevin Mitnick type hacker? And for those that, you know, I just probably dated myself quite a bit, but 
Are you dealing with these really sophisticated hackers or nation-state hackers, or are you dealing with what we call script kitties that we're able to find simple ways into an unsecured network and, and steal healthcare-related information? Forensics is crucial in, in that regard in trying to help us determine the depth and sophistication of the, of the attacker's skills and, more importantly, what type of intrusion was done, where the intrusion took place, and how we can stop all that. So, Jason, with that said, are there any top tips for healthcare sector entities in terms of preventing falling victim to the kinds of attacks we've been seeing and we've been talking about and the best ways to respond to them? I have a theory in the sense that there's two types of defenses that every healthcare industry IT provider should consider. The first one is your traditional technical defense. Harden your IT perimeter, do better equipment. I can't stress the importance of multi-factor authentication, like dual-factor authentication, to protect against attacks like credential stuffing and the stealing of credentials that allow people to break into systems because people have weak logon and passwords. Multi-factor authentication could be a real deterrent to that. But I think one of the most important types of defenses that the healthcare industry can implement besides IT-related technical defenses, like having better and stronger firewalls and better and stronger IT-related defenses, but is dealing with people, training people how to prevent attacks like phishing attacks or spear phishing or whaling attacks or basic social engineering attacks that where people are tricked. And I'll give you a great example. We had a case many years ago where somebody was trying to plant malware into a business, so they sprinkled thumb drives around a parking lot of a particular business. I don't know, I don't remember if this was a healthcare business or not, but it could be done anywhere. And what they were banking on was that some good Samaritan would find this thumb drive or flash drive on the ground, stick it in their computer to try and determine who lost it, thinking it was somebody in their company that probably just dropped a thumb drive on, you know, on their way into work. But what this actor had done was plant malware on the thumb drive. So when the thumb drive was inserted into the machine, it activated the malware, and it really got the malware behind the company's firewall and external defenses. And these are the things you really have to do is, is train employees on not clicking on links from emails they don't understand or don't recognize. Don't put strange thumb drives into your computer system because we don't always know if we're dealing with a good faith problem or are we dealing with a nefarious actor. I mean, people don't realize that between 80 to 85% of all hacking attacks usually take place from within the company, either through some nefarious actor or somebody making a simple yet deadly mistake in terms of how they defend their network by allowing malware because, you know, ransomware is basically nothing but malware that's been activated behind the firewall because somebody got a link in an email and said, oh, okay, it says I should click here, so maybe I will. And employee training is both inexpensive and crucial to really trying to harden the defenses of any type of healthcare industry. Make sure the folks that have access to the network, not just the IT folks, but the people using the network, understand what they should and should be doing on the network from a safety and security standpoint. And finally, Jason, any predictions about next year and any emerging trends that we might see? The one thing I can tell you is, I mean, obviously I can't predict the future, but you've seen a constant rise in healthcare cyber attacks over the last few years just because of the amount of money involved, the nature of the industry, the value of the industry, and 
I believe it's a fairly safe assumption that if we don't make some important changes to our defensive mechanisms like multi-factor authentication and social awareness training for employees, there's no deterrent to stop the nefarious actors or even nation states from continuing their attack on the, on the American healthcare industry from a cybersecurity standpoint. And now when you have problems like the California Consumer Privacy Act or the GDPR, and, and where you have all these privacy issues becoming paramount to how companies have to run their businesses, it becomes even a greater threat to the healthcare industry in terms of protecting their data from hacking, intrusions, ransomware, malware. I mean, there, there's so many things that can go wrong that security is going to be crucial to basically preventing a growth of cybersecurity attacks both now and, and in the next few years for sure. Thanks, Jason. I've been speaking to attorney Jason G. Weiss. I'm Marianne Kolbesuk-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.